Today's program is brought to you by Brooklyn Slate. BrooklynSlate.com for more. This is Chef Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. p.m. on Monday afternoon, and I'm in Bushwick, Brooklyn, which means this is Tech Bytes on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jennifer Leitze, your host, and on Tech Bytes, every week on Monday, we talk about the intersection of food and technology. If you like this show, come back to heritageradionetwork.org, where you can find it on demand, along with thousands of other really fun, exciting, informative programs, like Full Service Radio, which happens on Thursday evenings at 7.30 p.m., which is run by my engineer, Jack Inslee. Hello, Jack. Hey, thanks for the plug. We love the plug for the Full Service Radio. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So Declan, uh, who's in here right now, who's actually the intern in the studio, was my guest past Thursday on the show. Turns out he's a really good DJ. I actually listened to that show. I, I downloaded it. I listened to it actually on the train ride out this afternoon. And I have to say, the thing that struck me is it was really, for me, who, who lived through the first DJ radio, Beach Street kind of thing, there was a nice kind of retro feel to it, especially at the beginning. Sort of sounds like a young man who's, who's wise beyond his years, maybe. Knows his history. Yes. Very important. Also in the studio today, we have a r- really interesting show. We have Ludovica Ferme from Farmigo which is an interesting app for, not app, it's a platform for CSA. And we also have Megan Boldovich, who is from Print Restaurant. She is a forager. So we're going to talk about CSA platforms and the forager. But before we do, like any good meal, we start Tech Bites with an appetizer, and we talk about what our favorite apps are. My favorite app today is something that a half a billion people are using around the world. And every time I mention it to someone and they've not heard of it, it always surprises me. So my app this week is called WhatsApp Messenger. And it usually comes up in conversation when people are getting ready to travel abroad and internationally. Because when you travel abroad, you want to stay in touch with people and send photos and videos and text. But international data can be really expensive. WhatsApp Messenger runs on Wi-Fi, So if you have free Wi-Fi, wherever you are, you don't need to spend your data for text messages and videos and photos back home. So I highly recommend it. I've used it quite a bit and recommend it to all my friends when they travel so we can stay in touch. And it works really great. And it's for iPhone, Android, BlackBerry, Windows, and Nokia, so everybody can get it. So now I'm going to put everybody a little bit on the spot and ask everyone what their favorite app is right now. Anyone? Megan? Well, I also have used WhatsApp uh, when traveling in Mexico, and um, it was really great to be able to connect with my friend who lived there and other people who were also visiting at the same time. So that I wanted to get, also give a shout-out for WhatsApp. Um, and if I had to think of another one that I use often... Um, 
I have to take a moment. Ludovica? <laughs> <laughs> um, I definitely use WhatsApp because my family and friends are mostly in Italy. So for me, it's a normal way of communicating. And uh, I am a very avid Instagrammer. So it's not necessarily my favorite, but it's definitely one that I use often. And so, you know, that and Twitter. And um, there's a cool Sonos app. If anyone uses Sonos sound system, it's like you have a, a sound system in your home and there's an app that you can use to control all of the uh, boom boxes or basically the, the outlets for your music in any room and either together or separately. So you, could, you can usually use your phone as a remote control, basically. So what's kind of a cool app. If people want to find you on Instagram, what's your Instagram handle? Uh, my Instagram is Ludovica Ferme, all together, all lowercase. And my Instagram is L Ferme. And just try and spell that phonetically, <laughs> listeners. Sorry. <laughs> if you can actually spell it, you deserve to follow exactly. her on Instagram. <laughs> it's um, L-U-D-O-V-I-C-A-F-E-R-M-E. Wonderful. And Jack, do you have a app this week? I will once again shout out Cover that I've used, I think, four times the past few days. Um, that's the app where you, you, you don't get a bill from the restaurant. It just kind of gets taken care of. Um, and then I want to I wanna ask you all for some advice because I don't have a weather app other than what the iPhone comes with. And I'm wondering if you guys do because I found myself going to like Safari and weather.com and that didn't seem very, very good. How much information do you want from the weather app? <laughs> yeah. You know, five-day, ten-day forecast maybe. Weather.com? Weather yeah, weather channel. They have an app? Have an yeah. App. All right. That'll give you all the stuff, the maps, the forecast, minute-to-minute, day-to-day, radar. Yes. I don't believe the forecast. I like to look at the map and see the weather coming weather or going. Weather does that. Exactly. That's the, the, I believe the satellite more than I believe the forecast. Well, Jack, I was going to save this for a little bit, but you keep talking about the cover app. I'm going to have the cover. We're going to have the cover app on in two weeks as guests. Oh, wow. Look at that. Yes. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. It's good. I, I like it. Well, but now my girlfriend complains. It gives me an extra reason to rush to leave places. You know? <laughs> She's like, now you look all itchy as soon as you finish your last bite, like rushing us to get out. But it's nice. We'll have to find a quality time app for you. Mm-hmm. That's right. For next week. <laughs> So, to talk about Farmigo, how do you pronounce that? It's Farm Plus Amigo, which I learned earlier, which is very lovely because it's Friend of the Farmer. And it started off in 2009 as essentially a software service in the cloud for farmers to help manage their CSA programs. And a CSA program is community-supported agriculture. And it's something that started in the U.S. around the 1980s. And essentially what you do is you buy a subscription to a farm and you pay the money up front. And then on a weekly or bi-weekly basis, you would get a delivery from that farm of whatever was fresh and of the moment that they were picking and growing that season. So what that did was it supported the farm in a financial sense and allowed them to do a future sale on their crops, if you will, to have the money to make the farming a little bit easier and a little bit more successful. And then simultaneously, the public has this nice community feeling where you support your local farmer and you get farm fresh vegetables and you don't have to go to the farmer's market. And typically, um, a CSA would be a truck or a car that would pull up to some place in your neighborhood on a designated time and everyone would go and pick up their bag or their box of whatever was in season. So Farmigo was 
started to help farmers manage their CSA. And now it has turned into this really beautiful um, online system where it basically makes ordering food and participating in a CSA as easy as it is to order from a Fresh Direct or to make a reservation on Open Table or something like that. The interface is, is very simple and very elegant, and it gives you a broad array of everything that's available from the CSAs over that period of time. So it's kind of taking CSA into the, into the modern world. So Ludovica, tell us how they translated from being simply software in the cloud to now directly to consumers and community. Um, so the, the founder, Bensi's uh, story is actually really, I think, the pivot moment for when CSA or Farmigo became more than just a CSA software tool. He moved to Brooklyn and he didn't know anyone. Uh, he was living in Israel and he um, realized that, you know, he missed that element of community that in Israel is very common. Like I would say in most Mediterranean cultures, you have a very strong built-in community to your neighborhood and you buy your food from the same person for every every location is a specialty goods and so you're used to connecting to people when you are sourcing your food um, and he just thought about how cool it would be to have uh, a way to connect with his neighbors but also to get fresh food um, you know the quality of the food that he was used to eating um, in Israel so he started he thought of his own company and the way that it had been set up for farmers and said, well, why don't we just use this network of over 300 farms that we have across the states and sort of build on top of that network a um, e-commerce fa- an e-commerce platform that consumers can use similarly to how they would use a CSA and then, um, you know, add the fact that you can actually pick and choose every item uh, from the marketplace, from a network of farmers. You don't actually have to subscribe. It's It's a weekly delivery but um you know if you are away you don't have to miss out or see your box go to waste um and so he just kind of thought of the community model as a way to marry those two uh intents of connecting but also eating good eating good food and then supporting small farmers in their livelihoods um and so that's kind of how in 2012 that was when um you know they sort of branched into this new model while keeping alive the CSA model, uh, the software model, because that's still very much a large part of their company. Um, so it's now a twofold kind of operation. So it's the farmer piece, the service to help the farmers just manage things, and then it's the consumer e-commerce platform. Yes. Together. Like yes. Two halves of yes. the egg. Or yes. Something. Yes. <laughs> and some of our farmers actually cross over both of them. So they use us for their software and they use us for the e-commerce site. One of the things that I noticed about the service is people can pick their own uh, pickup location. They can pick their own location where they would receive the deliveries and or look at other places in their community where they could go and share and you have the option of creating a pickup location that is either private you know my apartment <laughs> and I don't want anyone else coming there except me or if I was you know very generous you could say my apartment can be a community pickup for my building or my block or something like that and then everything would come to me and people would come and pick it up and I think that's an, a new type of feature in terms of creating places for the community to kind of gather around yeah it's um, well I mean all of our communities are um, intended to be communities uh, we 
don't do home delivery just for one person. So the private is more if there's a school, because we partner with a lot of schools, um, if there's a school that just wants to maintain the community for their you know, staff and teachers and, and parents, then and they don't want outsiders coming in, then that's more of the private feature. But um, there are some sites that just become uh, you know, a little isolated hub, like apartment buildings. So it is very much a private, even though it's not private, it's, it's a, it remains a small um, community of you know, 15 to 20 people ordering every week, and they all live in the same building. So it is, it is very much a, a private community. And how much has it grown since 2012? It's grown rapidly, and I think it's incredible to see how many people um, across both coasts are using Farmigo, even though it's not, you know, it's not like ordering online and getting your food delivered at your doorstep. Um, there's another layer to it, but people seem to connect to the mission so much, and that's, I think, what makes it so special. Especially at this time of year when it's sub-zero temperatures outside and the farmer's market is perhaps not as robust as you would like it to be. It's definitely yeah. a nice way to continue to have your farmer's market and farm fresh vegetables and ingredients even though it's winter yeah so our our other guest megan is from print restaurant and she is the forager at print restaurant and we're going to ask her what forager is because i think that is just a fancy way of saying shopper and buyer but she uses farmigo as one of her farm vendors for the restaurant and the restaurant has since become a nice community spot for pickup as well so this is um e-commerce really for a commerce venture much more than private people at their home which is so interesting to me that you're using a csa as one of your purveyors well actually we just are a, we're hosting as a pickup site we don't actually use like the, the products from yeah it, no, I just want to be clear on that because um, it is more like we wanted to engage people in, um, we're way west in Hell's Kitchen on 11th Avenue, and we wanted to bring in people who are either residents or who work in the area, um, and as our part of our mission is to do more than just purchase local food. We do a lot of community development projects in various areas through, you know, um, wellness in the schools and doing a piece with working with edu food education in schools and um, a lot with um, urban farming and garden projects because we have our own rooftop farm as well, um, which is where we started the CSA was on, on our rooftop garden as just a place to, to show people that it, this exists in Way West Hell's Kitchen where they might work or live or commute near. And um, and so that was kind of the main goal. The goal was not to purchase through, because it's not really what Farmigo is set up for. It's more for residents and for um, home cooks. It's not, you can't buy in bulk, for example. We buy, you know, whole pigs, for example. So it's it's a different, it's a different situation. In that. So I just wanted to be clear. Well, it's quarter past the hour which means we always take a break and find out who our sponsors are and listen to some new music from jack and this is an untitled knife show song on tech bites
proud to count Brooklyn Slate as a business member of Heritage Radio Network. Brooklyn Slate Company is a collaborative effort from Brooklyn graphic designer Sean Tice and Parsons graduate student Christy Hedeka. After visiting Christie's family slate quarry in upstate New York in the spring of 2009, the two grabbed a few pieces for use as all-purpose boards back home in Brooklyn and began gifting pieces to friends. The response was so overwhelmingly positive that the two struck out to produce a line of slate products. We encourage you to visit brooklynslate.com to learn more. You can also get your own Brooklyn Slate care package by becoming a superfan member of Heritage Radio Network. Visit heritageradionetwork.org slash donate for more. If you've just tuned in and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bytes on the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from two shipping containers in the backyard at Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Tech Bytes talks about the intersection of technology and food, and today that intersection is at a little CSA website called Farmigo, and we're talking with Ludovica Ferm from Farmigo and from Megan Boldovich from Print Restaurant. So... Farmigo started as a software platform for farmers to manage their CSA, and now it has evolved into a consumer e-commerce platform and growing by leaps and bounds. What do you think the future is, the next steps for Farmigo? Will you be creating an app for people to have it on the go? Is it just making it bigger and better? Um, I would say... All of the above. I think the app is going to be uh, coming soon. Um, we are also going to continue growing. Um, I think we are ripe for a large expansion throughout the country, actually. So that's going to be in the works. And um, continuing to support small farmers in all of our regions and continuing to support communities, especially in um, you know suburban areas as opposed to urban areas, because that's where there is a greater need for access to fresh food. Um, and so that's kind of, in a nutshell, where Farmigo will be in the next few years. So principally across the country, which are the regions that you're working in right now? Right now we are uh, in the Bay Area, so California, Bay Area, and New York. Um, so we, we actually, but we do touch all of New York State. So we're on Long Island, we're in Manhattan, we're in Brooklyn, Westchester, Upper New York, and then also New Jersey. Um, and on the California side, we're in... Um, I guess San Francisco, um, El Cerrito, kind of northern northern Bay Area, and all the way down to San Jose. I would say those are that's the corridor that we touch. And what are the next regions that you have on on the list to attack? Not sure they are in the works, but uh, stay tuned for probably you know soon announcements soon. And on the consumer side, you talked about an app. Yes, um, the app will probably be developed soon. We're actually, I mean, I think it's in the works and we're talking to a various, to number of, of consultants who can help build it. Um, but I would say that it will be uh, used. We right now have a very practical and perfectly functioning mobile um, interface. So consumers can always sign in and use their information to purchase from our farms. But um, the app is probably likely. Because it is so community oriented and people are allowed to... Uh, create their own pickup points and really interact with it in a way um, that makes sense for them. What kind of feedback have you had from the public about what they like, what they don't like, what they'd like to see? 
We have a lot of um, well, consumers really. I would say it's it's been surprising how much people love the community model. Um, we do get very high raves, and I have to do this as a shout out to our support team because we have um, a group of people who are responsive 24/7, and you know they they it's 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 an amazing it's amazing how well they handle every type of request and every type of. Um, uh, you know, kind of interaction with the consu- with the customer, and um, so I think that's the biggest part um, is that we're really trying to stay connected personally, not just as a you know, oh, I received your message. You know, it's a bot response that just gives you the the little like pat on the shoulder saying someone has acknowledged you. It's actually <laughs> like a person to person interaction, and I think that's what people love the most about our service. That's fantastic. And so at Print Restaurant, you just decided that it would be a nice component to offer as a service to the community to have people rally around CSA. Has that been a, a green spot in Far Hell's Kitchen? Yeah, yeah. So far, we've had a, a core group of members that have been coming since the summer. And then I feel like every every week I get a message saying we have a few new people interested or signed up that are at least engaging and thinking about it you know especially um, right after the new year we had a a spike in orders because a lot of people are trying to eat healthy and get those types of things back on track start cooking more at home etc and we even have some employees that use it and it's really convenient and they really enjoy it one of the hostesses and sometimes the chef even because he doesn't have a lot of time outside of work to procure or look for um, good meats, especially seafood. I think that's what they do so well. I mean, produce as well. But this time of year when the produce isn't as exciting. Um, and, and the breads. They they have all kinds of great uh, breads that like Hopper Kitchen, etc., that we also work with at our restaurant. So that's another reason we chose to align with them. A lot of the farmers they use um, are, are similar that we work with at the farmer's market, for example. It's really nice to have and nice to be able to not have to go out and kind of forage for things on your own. Mm -hmm. Do you think that you would start to add recipes and cooking and events and things like that? It seems such a natural evolution of, especially when we come into the spring and the summer months when everyone's going to have a lot of zucchini Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, you know, boxes and boxes of zucchini and different ingredients. Yeah, I would say that um, the... um, the interaction with customers has brought us to understand what they want more. And so recipes are definitely, we have a newsletter that goes out every week um, and recipes are always included. Um, actually, the person who writes our recip- our newsletter is fantastic and she has such a beautiful voice. Um, I look forward to them every week. And um, and then um, events, we, we do host a bi-monthly meetup event in our office um, and the next one in, is in March um, and I think those will be only continued as as the as you were saying the, the the spring comes along and people kind of come out from this hibernation and this mountains of snow that we've been seeing um, and they're ready to celebrate the spring bounty uh, with our farmers in particular in particular we'll probably you know schedule some events and visits we did so last year and it was very fun Visits to the farms. Yeah. Yes, to that's our farms. great. Yeah, especially for the urban kids to yes. get out onto yes. a farm and see where everything actually Absolutely. comes from. Yeah, yeah. Are people surprised sometimes? Um, do you think? 
You know, we have a, it's a, it's interesting because New York in particular, I think people are very savvy, actually. It's surprising. I mean, for, for a company that is doing something in such a different way, I'm still very, I'm still reminded of how much information people can access. Like they, we get, we get very interesting questions from our customers about, oh, so what kind of methods do you use to, um, for your sustainable or organic, do your farmers use for their sustainable organic growing practices? And they're like, do they use crop rotation? Like, you know, they have all these questions that are kind of implying that they know that we can't really, you know, we have to work with the standards that they're looking for because people are so educated these days. And so I haven't seen anyone be surprised, but I do see the excitement, especially when you bring kids. Like last week, last year we went to visit one of our creameries in upstate New York and the the families that came were extremely happy and the kids were just looking at the cows and you see the cheese and it was just a very interesting process to to experience all together so if you are going to um, give advice to the listeners i always like to ask my guests to give us a little piece of advice um what would you say the best way is to create a excursion to visit a farmer Mm, probably reach out to the farm. They, you know, farmers now are actually, I think it's becoming more and more common for people to want to visit. So you can likely reach them directly. Um, and they, you know, probably have visit schedules. They have tours. Um, Stone Barns up in, uh, in upstate New York is very popular. They have planned tours and you can also eat at the on the premises. So um, that's probably... I would say that's Stone Barns is probably where I would look, but there are also mil, you know tons of other farmers in the area that are just as um, as interesting and and you know interactive. Those are great suggestions. And Megan, you talked a lot about people wanting to have great food but not having a lot of time. What would you say your best piece of advice is for people to do good home cooking on not a lot of time? Order from Farmigo. <laughs> Get it all in one place. Well, um, no, but really, I mean, I think it's, it is hard to strategize, like, especially if in your neighborhood you don't have a good butcher or you don't have a good fish shop. Um, those, like, kind of core proteins, especially where you want to know where, where it's coming from, um, you know, ordering everything from one place and picking it up once a week does really save a lot of time um and also in terms of visiting farms i just want to give a shout out that the maple tapping season is coming up that's an excellent shout out yeah so there's a lot of maple farms actually um upstate new york near the catskills so it's only about two and a half hours not as far as vermont and a lot of them are um, hosting all kinds of open house weekends, and you can see the sugar shacks coming up in March. Now, expl- many people maybe don't know what maple tapping in a sugar shack is. I yeah. mean, if you say sugar shack to a New York audience, they're probably thinking, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounds kind of, yeah, sounds sultry. a little racy. Um, sultry, yes. Yeah. little racy. So explain, the, explain the sugar shack and the maple tap. Yeah, So, and it's going to be my first time going up there. I'm going to go in a few weeks. Um, and so basically they when they tap the maple trees the, or the sap starts flowing, basically, it comes out just as water, more or less. And maple water is also kind of a trend right now. It's a lot like coconut water, high in electrolytes and such. But that, that maple sap water has to then be cooked down for a long time to become the syrup. So I think it's um, something like 500 gallons of maple sap or water makes 
you know, one gallon of, of maple syrup. So it's really crazy, the, the quantities. Which explains the $15 price tag on exactly. the tiny bottle of maple syrup you exactly. see sometimes in the stores. Yes. So it's kind of an interesting process. And this year is supposed to be one of the most prolific um, in the past decade due to something about how the trees, um, when they drop their leaves um, later than usual, and these whole cycles that the trees go through, it's, it's all really fascinating. I'm, I'm still learning more. I wonder if it has anything to do with the extremely cold winter that we've had. Maybe the more they have to hibernate, the more they have to come back to life in the spring. Yeah, Maybe. it's a very complex yeah, situation question for the, the farm. Mm-hmm. Question for the farm show. Mm-hmm. Well, we are out of time. It always goes by so quickly. I want to thank my guest, Little Vig Ferme from Farmigo, and Megan Boldovich from Print Restaurant for coming on and talking about the newest digital iteration of CSA. And definitely check it out. I've checked it out. It's, it's, a, nice little, it's a nice little product. If you like this show... Come back to heritageradionetwork.org, log on and listen to it, or go to iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Subscribe to the podcast, rate it, and give it lots of stars. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. And the break song, rather, the theme song for this show is called Nomad, a CPU track by Twitter. And you can find that on soundcloud.com slash full service.